1: What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host, as always. And joining me this afternoon is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today?
2: Um, I'm doing okay. You know, last time, there wasn't much with this linebacker group to love, but I went to bat for one Ventrell Miller from Florida, only to find out a few minutes later that he was 24 going on 25. And then, thank you, YouTube Comments, you let me know that he had a fractured foot and that's why he missed the senior bowl, and that he was suspended his freshman year due to a misdemeanor marijuana charge. So <laughs> I hope this goes better today, is what I'm trying to
3: say.
1: Yeah, definitely uh, you know, a learning experience when you go for go to bat for a guy like that and it just doesn't, you know, work out. I remember uh, a similar case for our first year with Jason and, and I both being like really pumped up about. I can't remember who it was i think it might have been like a corner or something like that mm-hmm. and then same kind of thing people in the comments and, and responding to us on Twitter, like uh probably not on the board so it's, it's never a good feeling um what is a good feeling is watching this interior offensive line class after watching the linebacker class this class is Absolutely. truly a, a fantastic group um i graded 14 and honestly could have added three or four more on here you know and there's also some player conversions that that we mm-hmm. could touch on so um, I'm excited about this one as well. And uh, also, quick shout out to everybody who responded to my tweet about upgrading the my office chair. I got a, a gamer <laughs> chair, and I'm feeling great. Oh. You know, it's a nice, comfy gamer chair. So I uh, ended up deciding to go with the one from Costco. And uh, Costco has everything, apparently. But uh, yeah, man, feeling great. The chair is fantastic, and uh, setting up was nice and easy. So appreciate everybody for uh, letting me know what's up there. Yeah, I'm jealous
2: of the whole chair thing because I don't want to get one that ends up being too short or one that ends up being too tall or something like, I or doesn't fit the space or whatever. So good for you for finding one that works. Uh, shout out my mom for winning a silent auction and getting that Keenan Allen signed jersey for me right oh, here shit. over my shoulder. I didn't even notice. That's how good yeah, uh, I am today. You're yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All good. You, you don't pay attention to anything I say or do.
1: That's totally fine, Stephen. Um, <laughs> 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 no, but appreciate it, mom. Thank you so much. That's super cool. Super, super cool. Um, for what it's worth, most of the gamer chairs do have like an adjustable headset, like mine. I don't know if you can really tell, but mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of out of the way, so it looks yeah. Great. Um, all right, so we, uh, like I said, we're gonna talk about this interior offensive line group today. Um, an underrated need for the Chargers as they currently don't really have anybody else on the backup roster that they particularly like or that I would feel comfortable with, so you know, definitely a need. A lot of people talking about. You know finding a center of the future as well mm-hmm. so we'll see what what kind of conversation comes up there um after we give our rankings for the interior offensive line we're going to jump into a q a so uh make sure to get those draft questions ready oh we got a <laughs> gladio appearance all right there we go um so yeah uh, like i said if you feel so inclined to do a super chat today we appreciate that as always uh, if you are listening to this, make sure and leave a rating or review on, on the audio podcast platforms. I always appreciate those uh, comments there as well. So, um, all right, Tyler, let's uh, jump right in here in terms of the interior offensive line class. I'm excited to see uh, what comes up. Um, no, you're good. There's an yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to I'll jump in here first um, to give mine my player who just missed here. Um, And that is going to be John Gaines from UCLA. Mm. Um, You know, I I think there's some technique issues that need to be hammered out, you know, in general. I mean, that's kind of the case from from most of these guys. And I don't think he has, you know, the strongest punch, so to speak. But there's so much to like when it comes to John Gaines. In particular, like his fit with the Chargers, I think is pretty seamless because he does show the ability to be, you know, powerful and washdown down uh, defenders in gap blocks. He's a hyper athlete as well at the, at the position. And that really shows up on tape, how explosive he is out of his stance, how fluid he looks out in space. Um, this UCLA offensive line in general was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and Gaines, you know, has that position flexibility that the Chargers really have, uh, you know, preferred to take chances on. Um, he started a ton of games at both guard spots. Has also, you know, started a couple of games here and there at center and right tackle. So he's experienced at four of the five spots. I'd be most comfortable, obviously, with him as a swing guard. I think he probably could potentially become a center down the road. Um, but I think when it comes to you know position flex, when it comes to athleticism, you know, John Gaines is something that I think absolutely makes a lot of sense for the Chargers. And I would be very excited if uh if the Chargers ended up picking him on day three.
2: Yeah, I actually thought you would have Gaines on your top eight, but like this is a really, really good class, and you watched fourteen guys. I understand why he wouldn't be. Um, Gaines probably set the record for most like steps put in by an offensive lineman. I feel like you know, <laughs> you look at you talk about sideline to sideline players. You're talking about linebackers, maybe or safeties, but Gaines moves all over for UCLA, and it really mm-hmm. showed the the athleticism that he displayed and his rare trade, I forget what the exact number is. But the the threshold that you have to hit. He's the guy who hit it, and you can see it. Um, and if you're someone who's looking at him in, in round four, you know round five or wherever he's projected to go, I think he could go earlier because of what he can do and because of that athleticism. But man, like this is a really really good class. Um, he did make my my top eight. I only watched ten, but um you know fantastic guy. I do have as we talked about on the show, with the mock draft episode previously, um, someone sort of similar with the same kind of athleticism in Braden Daniels. I'm um, higher than Gaines but
1: Gaines is just he's fast he's nimble he's everything that you talked about he's a really good player yeah absolutely and I'm excited to see where he ends up you know I, I think he is being a little bit slept on in this class as somebody who mm-hmm. wasn't even like a senior bowl guy he wasn't even a shrine bowl guy he was NFL PA bowl which is oh, pretty wow. surprising to to look back at, at this whole process so mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to like with John Gaines you know his teammate Antonio Mafi is somebody I graded as well and and didn't make the list but um, you know, he's he's an intriguing prospect too. So, you know, the Chargers need an interior offensive lineman, and I think this this is a great draft to to have that need penciled in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you don't but you don't see as much center
2: with him. No, I think he could do it in a pinch, but
1: mm-hmm. I, I, I think I'd be more comfortable with him as a straight up guard prospect.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Uh my just missed is Luke Wipler. Whipler, sorry. I think it's I... Whipler. Luke Whippler, Luke, yeah, Whippler of Ohio State. Um, the center for them, the other person, I guess, because I only graded 10 was Emil Echior from Alabama. Again, like it, it's so rough putting these guys at nine or 10 because I do think that, like, the difference between this guy at nine versus and my just missed versus the linebackers just missed, um, big gap. Um, But Whipler, yeah, so actually looking at my uh, big board, the bottom four players on my big board are linebackers that we talked about or were off my list last time. So much better into your offensive line class. Um, Whiplers are solid prospect. I think 50% of the time he does things well. I think there's moments where he moves guys with ease, um, does all the century things that you would want. I just feel like the other half of the time, and especially compared to some of the other centers that are higher up on my list, um, I, I feel like he just loses his leverage and balance a bit more often than I would like to see the rest of the guys can really bring the rest of themselves and maintain their balance um, finish plays whipler I think is is just kind of hit or miss with that so it's more of a consistency thing here but if I grade five more players I graded I graded 10 so if I graded five more players he ended up 15th and, like, and you get this player he's like a quote unquote average player in my opinion And and these are 15th in this class. That shows that the class is really, really good. I think Whippler is just really, really solid, a solid average center prospect. Um, so he's in my just missed.
1: Yeah, I graded him as well. I didn't necessarily um love him, but he he has an elite RES score, um, you know, for for his um for his work at the combine, obviously. So I I have him as a fourth round grade, a high fourth round grade. And Mm -hmm. that just kind of shows like you're talking about, you know, where this class is Mm -hmm. at. So Um, You know, John Gaines is my um, ninth interior offensive lineman. I still have a third round grade on him. And if you look Mm -hmm. at some of these other positions, right, like (laughs) you talked about linebacker, but, you know, even a position group like interior offensive line, you know, my ninth uh, interior or interior defensive line, excuse me. So just kind of the opposite here. um, Siaki Ika was my ninth defensive tackle, and he was a he was a mid fourth rounder for me. So Mm -hmm. um, this interior offensive line group is is really, really good. It goes deep uh, into like the fourth, fifth rounds where I I have a a player that I I would be very happy with liking. And so um, this center class in particular, like, um, you know, you you obviously have kind of the guys at the top in um, John Michael Schmitz, Joe Titman, who I'm a big fan of. But Mm -hmm. um, then you get down into Olu Oatimi. I probably butchered that. I'm sorry. Luke Whippler, Ricky Stromberg, Juice, Mm -hmm. uh, Juice Scruggs. So, there's a lot of center prospects in this class. So, the Chargers, again, this is kind of a conversation that we can have if we really want to. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. trying to find that like heir apparent to Corey Lindsley, this is a great group to draft from. And so, this is kind of also, you know, an instance where like I would love the Chargers to be able to trade back and and get an additional pick. So, if they want to take a true center and maybe like a swing tackle or a swing guard, they could do it that way. Right now, with seven picks, if you're taking two offensive linemen, that's kind of pushing it a little bit i mean obviously i would be happy with that um but from like a sheer like roster construction um you know that'd be kind of dicey but overall this center class is fantastic this interior Mm -hmm. offensive line class in general is fantastic so you know somebody like luke whipler didn't make my list but um, i think he's a quality day three center prospect for sure
2: yeah i agree and when we get to the end of this i'd love to pick your brain because you you watch more players and obviously more centers than i did i'd love to pick your brain about kind of where you have these guys ranked in terms of where they might go as well. Um, yeah. because I think it's a sneaky thing
1: that the Chargers might pull off. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll get to, uh, the next group here, which is our official top eight. So, um, you know, I do have my guy, Brandon Daniels in here. Um, nice. He's kind of, a he's, he played offensive tackle for Utah, obviously. And we can talk about him in a second. Um, at number seven, make sure I have the, that's right and number seven I have Chandler Zavala Zavala from NC State which mm. he was not really in my on my radar until I watched his interview with uh the Boule guys Boule podcast they do great work over there so mm-hmm. um because he's lower on the rankings the consensus rankings yeah it wasn't until that that I actually like started like paying attention to him and watching him so mm-hmm. um that's number seven for me. And then number six, I have Andrew Voorhees from USC. I know that he has the ACL injury right now. Frankly, mm-hmm. his film is just so, so good, so strong. Um, so, yeah, I'll talk about Brandon Daniels for a second here. Um, you know, he's somebody who's an athletic freak. I think he's like in the 99th percentile in terms of interior offensive line. Um, you know, some people express some concern about him weighing uh, 297 pounds at the Combine. He weighed 300... And, Three or it was 294 at the combine and then 307 at the pro day so in the span of like five six weeks he gained 13 pounds for the pro day so I, I think his play weight is probably in like that 300 to 305 pound range for the nfl so he's never really gonna be um that true like you know old school guard prospect who's just kind of like 330 pounds like he definitely is very scheme specific um you know utah didn't run a ton of outside zone you know they're more of a gap in power system which is why i think you probably saw him play more tackle in college um but overall i think he's a seamless fit into a guard center flexibility you know in an outside zone scheme um my friends at utah did tell me that he was their their emergency center over the last two hmm. seasons in case anything ever really happened he was the guy that they would you know plug in if, if they really ever needed to so him and uh, Cam Rising would always take snaps together on uh Thursdays in the last practice to make sure they were always on the same page just in case anything, you know, went went crazy. So, um, you know, I love his versatility. He started at three different positions, both tackle spots and right guard as a freshman at Utah. And I think his calling card is is obviously that athleticism, but the way that he uses his length cuz he's got great mm-hmm. arm length and he's able to one-arm stab, he's able to snatch like he uses his length at such a high level, and that's something that you see repeatedly is just the versatility in which he's able to win with his hands. Um, so his hand technique is pretty refined for somebody who, you know, Utah's not like an offensive line factory by any means in terms of producing NFL talent. Um, but he he became a, a real technician over the last couple of years, and so um, from an athleticism athleticism standpoint, from a technique standpoint, there's a ton to like. I think he is. a a little questionable in terms of like recovery ability and anchor ability Mm -hmm. you know he's not the strongest overall player naturally um but there's a ton of ton of things to like here and and like i said i think he's a seamless like outside zone guard convert in the nfl Mm -hmm. i think he could play some um some center as well so uh obviously this is a utah connection but i'm not the only player a guy who likes brayden daniels man i think his film is legitimately good his Aria score is off the charts. So a mm-hmm. uh, ton to like about Brain Daniels as an in interior offensive line project.
2: Yeah, give give Utah some credit. We had Sam Tevy, of course. We had Nick sure, Ford sure, sure. last year. We had um oh it's God. like one every
1: it's like one every three years,
2: pretty much. But yeah, okay. Nice. Um so Daniels of those three is the only one that I've watched. Um talk to
1: me about Chandler Zavala. Yeah, Chandler Zavala. Uh he played left guard next to Iki Kwanu. And, Mm. you know, going back and watching some of that tape was ridiculously (laughs) fun, man. Like, yeah, these two guys um, were just maulers next to each other. Um, So, you know, one thing that I I noticed in his conversation with the bootleg podcast is that they were pretty heavily outside zone. And then this year they did a lot of gap and power scheme uh, Mm. stuff as for for this year's rushing attack there. So there's uh, a lot of schematic versatility for him. Um, I don't think he necessarily knows how to really use his athleticism just yet. Mm. I think that's kind of what I would say in terms of like how explosive he is. He's kind of unsure of himself, but he is a, a mauler in the run game, man. And his leg drive is fantastic. His power off of the ball is fantastic. Um, he can do all of the gap and power stuff. He can do all the outside zone stuff. So it's just like a, a, a versatility thing for me, as well as being able to just be like a truly powerful player. Mm-hmm. So he's somebody like when I do mock drafts where he's like always constantly there in like the sixth seventh rounds and I don't don't really get it. He's kind of like uh, the guy from Oklahoma last year for you guys, for you Marquis Hayes Hayes mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I was late into integrating grading him, but I think there's just a lot of untapped potential there because the technique is not necessarily where I think matches up with like the way that he talks about certain things. Like if you listen to him talk in that in that interview. You you hear what kind of you know mentality he has, and I don't think that's necessarily uh, caught up just yet to his on field technique. So I think there's mm. some coaching up you have to do, but in terms of athleticism, in terms of just his sheer power, I think there's a ton to like with Zavala.
2: Oh man, I got to watch that tape then, just to watch uh, icky Aquanu again. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds that sounds fun. Good stuff. Um, okay, so it's not really much for me to add at this point because Gaines is my number eight and daniels is my number seven uh already you already talked go. about daniel's We already talked about gains um so number six for me i feel like doesn't count but i run out of time so cody mock is going to be uh my guy from north dakota state at number six if i had watched another intro offensive alignment that i wanted to have a bit higher then mock probably just wouldn't make the list i was surprised to see him i, I figured it was like the oh, gosh what's his name from last year not Veldier. There was another North Dakota state tackle last year who was not as athletic, uh, more of like a power sort of tackle guy who now plays guard for the Bengals. I don't oh, recall his name. his name. It's killing me. I think it starts with a V. Um, Volson, anyway, Cordell Volson. Cordell Volson. Yeah. 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 So I figured it'd be kind of like that where, you know, his, his skill set, his movement skills or whatever would best translate to something on the inside. And maybe that is the case for Cody Mock as well but I really didn't see guard as much here. At least it wasn't very obvious to me. Yeah, Um, I know he's like 6'4". I don't recall what his arm length was, Um, but he can move, and I think he played really well at tackle, so I get why someone would keep him there. Um, But if you get a guard, you get a heck of a guy, Um, great play strength, great on the move, Um, plenty of leg drive, can steer defenders out of the way if need be. Really didn't have any problems, I thought, with the competition that he faced, but then that's also kind of The detractor with all this is that I never saw anybody particularly challenge him with anything other than your your typical two or three rushes that you can do. And so you don't really know how he's going to respond to those things at the NFL level. Not that I expect every college rusher to be, you know, some elite, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, I can throw 10 moves at you sort of rusher, but it just wasn't a lot for me to like, okay, he can respond to that and that move inside and that move outside and this speed rush and the power. Like I couldn't quite see... Mm -hmm. Exactly. So is that really a knock? Not really, but I can't put him much higher than that. I really did like what he did on film. I really didn't have a lot of questions after watching him. Um, it's really just how does he respond to those things in those situations? And maybe I'd have to go look at the senior bowl, I believe he played at right mm-hmm. to, to to really see
1: how he responded to something a bit different. Yeah, I remember in the actual game uh, that roster had some like injuries on the last day of practice. So they only had like seven offensive linemen. And Mock was playing literally all five positions left to right. And there were, I think it was uh, the center who finished the game. So, from a versatility standpoint, I think he showed a lot at the Senior Bowl. Mm -hmm. I think his film to me, like, I I don't necessarily understand why you have to kick him inside. Like, I I think he can survive at tackle. Like, I I think this is a little different than Dylan Radin's, too. Dylan Radin's uh, didn't necessarily have the kind of like, power and strength and anchor that you want out of a tackle and and also i don't think he was as as uh tall and long as cody mock is so mm-hmm. um I, I i struggle with him in terms of his evaluation in terms of switching him positions because like to me like i like his tackle tape a lot i think his tackle mm-hmm. tape is pretty quality stuff so i did not have him in here i i might end up switching him into your, into your offensive line but for now he's going to stick at tackle for me um, cause I, like, I just don't think that he really struggles with any of the stuff when mm-hmm. it comes to like tackle converting to guard. You yeah, know, I just, I think he can survive out there. Like that's the difference yeah. from like Brandon Daniels, who obviously I'm a big fan of in terms of interior offensive line, but you know, he's got some strength question marks in terms of anchoring against, you know, speed rushes out in space. Right. I think like that's his big his big thing in terms of just like his, you know, sheer strength ability. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a concern for Cody mock. I think he's, he's strong enough to stay outside at tackle. Um, So I don't know. I, I I struggle with that one. I went back and forth a couple of times right now. I have him at tackle. Mm -hmm. Maybe that ends up changing, but I like his tape a lot. Like you said, I think there's a lot to like on, on, you know, visible there with his, his, his hand technique, with his strength, with his athleticism. So Cody mock is somebody I'm interested in. I just haven't nailed down. Like, what position do i think he plays in the nfl just yet yeah i would agree all right so we'll do uh 5 through 3 here next uh make sure i have my list right again this is this is really going to show how good this uh, this into offensive line class is mm-hmm. number 5 for me i have john michael schmitz the mm-hmm. center from uh minnesota yeah and then number 4 I have Osiris Torrance from Florida. Oh, interesting. You have Avila over him too, huh? Okay. I do. Yes. And then, yeah, number two, I have Steve Avila from TCU. Mm-hmm. So I think all three of these guys are, you know, um, I think they're definitely second round players. I think they're all three of them are top 50 prospects in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the chargers have met with John Michael Schmitz. Uh, I think it was formerly at the combine. If I'm not mistaken, I think Gavino was first on that one. Um, Osiris Torrance, I think is a, is a quality prospect. Um, but Steve Avila to me is the most schematic versatile of the three. Mm-hmm. And I think he could play all three positions as well. And he did so in college too. So, um, Oh, Simon's Torrance is more of kind of a power gap guard for me. I think it's he has fantastic tape, um, yeah, extremely powerful at the point of the attack. Probably has the strongest grip strength of any of these offensive linemen from the interior, in my opinion. Um, I just have some athleticism question marks, like just not just not anything major, just some minor things in terms of mm-hmm. his range, in terms of his um, ability to get out to the second level. And same kind of thing with John Michael Schmitz. I think he's a very high quality center prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people have compared him to Creed Humphrey. I think that's frankly kind of disrespectful well, those to are Creed Humphrey. Two,
2: those are two different players, I think. <laughs> yes,
1: very different players. I, I don't understand why that's being thrown out there because Creed Humphrey was like literally like 98th percentile athleticism from the center position. Mm. Uh, frankly, it still doesn't make any sense that he fell as, as far as he did in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think those two players are a little bit more, you know, boxed into Michael Schmitz is a center only, probably in a mm-hmm. power scheme. Mm-hmm. Osiromis Torrance is a guard only, probably in a power scheme. So Steve Avila, I think, can play all three positions, and I think he can play in any scheme. I think he's scheme-proof, one of the few players in this class that is scheme-proof. And that just means a lot to me. I think his technique is fantastic all across the board. Watching him execute reach blocks, backside reach blocks, frontside reach blocks, I think he does truly fantastic work in that regard. Um, He's not as powerful as the other two, but shows good enough. And then also I think his recoverability really stands Mm -hmm. out in comparison to those three, uh, into the other two as well. So Steve Avila for me checks every single box. I think he's a player who in like a normal interior offensive line class probably has a stronger case for, you know, number one or number two. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's some, some players here here in a second from the, from the big 10 that I, I really love. So I really like Steve Avila, you know, if the chargers had gone down this path, right. Where Trey Pipkins isn't back. Jamari Sawyer is your right tackle. I would have loved to get Steve Avila in the second round and have him play one of the guard spots next to you know whatever happened there. But uh, that's not the case. That's not what happened. Um, but still, I-, I love Steve Avila.
2: Yeah, me too. Let me quickly just add these guys over here. So at number five, I have Osiris Torrance. At number four, I have Steve Avila. At number three, I have Joe mm. Tip. Is it two Ps? Two Ps Hitman. and two Ns, yep. Tipman from oh god what's that school again i always get those ones mixed up wisconsin, wisconsin. there yeah. we go it was either that or nebraska I had a 50 50 shot <laughs> i always forget those two um okay so i was okay i have seen that osiris Torrance has been like the iol one kind of yeah like, like universally
1: everybody is, just has him there yeah. yeah
2: okay so i was kind of panicking into <laughs> this thinking that like, <laughs> like not okay but time out this isn't a bad player at all like he's at number no. five but it's a heck of a class so i don't want yeah. to say anything like um, he was someone I noticed last year and took, like, I rarely remember players from the previous year when I was trying to watch Gene DeLance, I was like, Oh, who's that guy? And I remember Osiris Torrance being a standout when I was trying to watch Gene DeLance. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll note that guy. And lo and behold, like good player then good player. Now, this is a really, really solid player. Um, I do have Steve Avila higher as well. The dudes built like Harry Potter in the order of the Phoenix, like compared to <laughs> in some, it, That's the fattest Harry Potter book. Um, okay. I was, was going to say <laughs> not fattest the thickest book i should say Um, there you go yeah uh, just just a square dude you square him up in the run game he can square up anybody beat up any run game uh you try to power rush him in your toast um i i do like that point about him being the most versatile um obviously i have michael schmidt's higher um and of course you know the guy from northwestern higher but i i do actually like that point about him being a bit more versatile um so that's good Tipman, I know you very much so like him, of course. I think he's either one or two on your list. Um, so I'm going to just like... Wait, Torrance transferred from, to Florida last year? I thought he was a four-year player of Florida.
1: No, he was a Louisiana guy, but I I was with you. I thought that he was there last year, too.
2: Well, there was some really good guard there last year that
1: I have no idea who was. <laughs> uh, forget it.
2: Wow, I'm just... I should it's never okay. evaluate Florida okay. players. Apparently, I just don't know anything about Florida players. Ventral Miller and now Osiris uh, Torrance. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Tipman is fantastic. It really, I, I do prefer the two center prospects over the two, I guess, better guard prospects, although one of them is more of a tackle guard convert. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Go for
1: it with Tipman. Cool. 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 Um, yeah. Totally understand. I, I thought Torrance was there last year as well. So don't even worry about it. Um, yeah, so, uh, number two, I have Joe Titman from Wisconsin. So I'm just going to copy and paste that there. And then number one for me, I do have Peter Skoranski as a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's not a super popular take on Twitter. I know a lot of people want to see him sticking at tackle first. Um, so I, I think he does have some range question marks and some length question marks. Like I, I know that he went to Northwestern and I know that he p- replaced Rashawn Slater. But I just like I don't see the comparison outside of that. No. So let's get that out of the way. Um, I think That's Rashawn. The first thing was, I wrote. <laughs> uh, you know, Rashawn was again an elite athlete for the position, and there were no athleticism question marks in terms of playing tackle. There were no range question marks, um, and also, you know, Rashawn is an elite recovery artist as well, which is not the case for Peter Skoronsky. I think Peter Skaronsky, his best attribute. Is his ability to jump set and get on players quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a bit his athleticism does show up in, in just like the way that he understands run games, working on the inside. So um I like Peter Skaronski a ton. He's my highest grade offense, interior offensive lineman. But to me, it's it's pretty clear that he is I, I would play him at on the interior first, and then if like mm-hmm. if I needed him at right tackle, I could understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have a hard time playing him at left tackle from the jump
2: yeah so yeah literally the first thing i wrote uh well for starters he's not Rashawn slater um which isn't a knock on him it's just like i get it but that's he's not different. Rashawn slater like that's I'm okay not, right right no of course and i don't think anybody last year was Rashawn slater or something like yeah. that so um you know really really good um brandon thorne thinks he's got the best hands in the class i think he pointed out as the best pass protector in the class as well um yeah he doesn't have particularly long arms and that's kind of a concern but i feel like there's so much patience with the way he plays where even though he might not have like the longest arms, I guess there's a way that he times everything that I think is pretty notable and very, very outstanding. So, um, sure. okay, I guess I might as well just add to the list. Um, Skaronsky is my number one as well, uh, which means John Michael Schmitz is my number two. I have tip and Michael Schmitz graded the exact same. It really just was like a coin toss. I don't particularly care which one you have more than the other. Sure. Um, Michael Schmitz is awesome. I, I think that maybe he's a... Okay, I wouldn't say he's a better mover because Tittman in the run game is a freaking hell of a mover. <laughs> I love watching him in the run game. Yeah. And you, like, you watch, like... You didn't even watch the Super Bowl recently, right? With Jason Kelsey pulling and jumping in front of guys. Like, that's kind of what Titman can do. Uh, but Michael Schmitz, I just think, maybe he's a bit better, better mover uh, in pass protection. I think he does a bit more with his hands in pass protection. So I like him a bit more there. And maybe there's some preference, but otherwise, like to me, it's it's just a coin toss. Like, I don't have a real true reason why one is higher than the other. Um, so yeah, I really like Skoransky, we really like Michael Schmitz.
1: Yeah, Michael Schmitz is fun, man. He he does a lot of good things. I do actually think he could play guard, like I think that is yeah. not out of the question for him. So um that maybe could be something that uh it could differentiate him a little bit from guys like Joe Timmen, but Joe Tipman to me is just, he's a unique player at center, man. Like, we don't traditionally see somebody who's 6'6, 315, and I think his arm length is like 34 and inches. Like, mm. he's a tall center, and that's not usually something the way that we usually see the position played. Um, but the way that he's able to get out in the run game, man, like, he's a fun player to watch. Like he's one of the most fun players I've watched on tape so far mm-hmm. because Wisconsin would use him as a polar, like every other play it felt like yep. um, just get this guy out in space and let him just destroy people. And I think that was incredibly fun to watch. So I think there are some power question marks in terms of his ability to, you know, win instantly. You know, I, I think that is mm-hmm. something that's a bit of a concern for me, but I think he's the best recover artist in this class, man. Like Mm. the way that he's able to use his length to quickly redirect, um, I I think really stands out as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think for a team that's really creative in the run game, like Joe Titman to me would be a fantastic pick. Um, You know, like the giants, for example, who do need a center, um, you know, they use John Feliciano a lot in that regard too, in terms of his ability to get out in space and do some fun things with him. So, Uh, Joe Tipman to me would be a great fit with, for the giants, but just overall, I think, you know, whenever you're talking about the center position, the, the kinds of physical outliers that you're able to get, like those just, it just gives you such a big advantage Mm -hmm. going forward because he's, you know, a 98th percentile athlete, he's taller, he's longer. Mm -hmm. So there's some things that you have to work around with him, but I think his upside here is, is just tremendously high.
2: Yeah, no, tons of upside there. Absolutely. I really think that with honestly how i felt about both centers and then i guess Skoronsky as well i just feel like you can do more with them than the two guards avila being a bit more than Torrance, but i feel like with someone like Titman, someone like michael schmitz with Skoronsky, although skaranski is going to be a guard i feel like mm-hmm. you can design your offense around them and watching zion johnson last year you just see that some guys are able to do more and ask to do more and can handle more and i feel like you know tipman for sure
1: i'm um, in the run game being handled a lot immediately yeah absolutely um Okay. So Teresa asked this question earlier. I do want to touch on this and I also want to touch on the the center of the future question. So um, you talked about this on Twitter. I know Chorizo is not on Twitter, but uh, mm-hmm. if Zion were in this class, where would he be for you?
2: Uh, Zion Johnson would be an easy number one for me in this class. Um, number one in this class, number one in his class, number one in the previous class. I just think mm-hmm. that what he was able to do, uh, like I'm not saying he was perfect, but he was so freaking good. Like, the film was good. The numbers good. were good. The RIS was good. Like Everything was so good about him. Multi-positional, yeah. great player, asked to do so much. You want him in the run game, he's great. You want him in the pass protection, he's great. Uh, there really just wasn't a whole lot to knock on Zion Johnson. So he'd be number one in like, in this class for sure.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree there. Zion was a top five player for me last year uh, <laughs> overall in the class as an interior offensive lineman. So I think this draft class in, as a whole is better. So like f- from the big board perspective, I, I don't think he would be as high um because i think i had him as like a 7.25 grade if, if i remember correctly mm-hmm. um maybe potentially a little bit higher but you know i had him pretty close to like blue chip prospect for me and so yeah right now you know he i think i had him at number five overall i think this year in terms of his big board grade he'd probably be closer to like 10 11 12 mm-hmm. um just because i do think this class is is better and Again, I have not graded quarterbacks specifically this year. I didn't do it last year either, so maybe mm-hmm. that kind of changes a little bit. But um, Zion, I think, is is just a different animal in terms of the versatility that he brings. Like a lot of people thought he could have played center. Still mm-hmm. think that. Um, you know, you're talking about one of the safest players in last year's class, and I think this year too. Like, there's no question marks, right? Like, Peter Skaronski is the a tackle? Is he guard? I Think he's a guard. Joe Tittman has some anchor question marks, in my opinion. He's got some um flexibility question marks. Steve Avila, same thing, center, guard. What is he? Cyrus mm-hmm. Torrance, John Michael Skit, John Michael Smiths. Are they maybe a little bit more scheme dependent? With Zion, it was like he can he can do power, yeah. he can mm-hmm. do gap, he can do zone, he can play guard, he can play center. He played mm-hmm. left tackle for a whole season at Boston College. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Zion Johnson was just uh, such a great player to watch, man. And, and uh, you know, if he were this in this class, he'd be number one for me too.
2: Uh, one. Okay. Then where would you have – was Kenyon Green your IOL too? Or, yes, he or, was. Okay. So where would he be,
1: I guess? And then do you have a first on Skoronsky? I do not have a first on Skaronsky. I have a very high second. So he'll Same. he'll be in my like top, he'll be in my top 20, I think for mm-hmm. sure. Um in terms of Kenyon Green, I would probably have him behind Skaronsky and behind Titman. Okay. Maybe behind Steve Avila too. But I think mm. uh highest for me he would be in this class would be number three. Yeah, I have a high, 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 high second on Skaronsky as
2: well. <laughs> um yeah. Kenyon Green, top three probably in this class, I would think.
1: Yeah, seems about right. Yeah. Um, Again, he was somebody who was a lot of fun, but he, you know, he had some athleticism and range question marks too. So Um, people want to complain about Zion, man. You should go watch some Kenyon Green rookie film and oh yeah, the numbers and it's not great.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Kenyon Green, Ed Ingram, Dylan Parham, all these guys that played a ton. Go watch. Go look at those numbers to begin with. Um, Yeah. Ended up being what Spencer Burford in like the fifth round that ended up being the statistically yeah. one of the best so yeah
1: okay a couple uh late round center question marks so again um, <laughs> juice scruggs from penn state mm-hmm. ricky stromberg from arkansas guys in the chat here that are that are talking about in terms of center of the future tyler where where are you at with that because you know corey Lindsay has not been restructured mm-hmm. there's again been some conversation about his knee tendonitis here um where are you at in terms of drafting center of the future? Is it something that you're definitely talking about, talking yourself into this draft? Do you think they can wait another year? What's kind Mm -hmm. of your process there in addressing the center, the backup center position right now?
2: I think that this is a sneaky round three option for the Chargers this year, which sounds odd, but consider Tom Telesco's draft history. I'm looking through what they do in the third round. Now, Okay, I need to watch more centers to actually specify who, and maybe you can speak to that because I don't know all of these guys. Yeah, I'm not not expecting Tipman to be there in the third round, and if he is, then fuck it, make that your pick because that's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, but um, like, was Keenan Allen going to start? Was was Chris Watt starting? Was Craig Mager starting? Was Max Turk, who was injured, was he going to play? Dan Feeney was behind Matt Slauson. Uh, Trey Pipkins was a project, you know, you're looking at some of these guys, Josh Palmer wasn't projected to start JT Woods was sitting behind us here utterly. There's been a theme with Telesco's drafts where in that third round range, they kind of look for somebody to not that a third rounder is always going to start, but there's like, there's really no spot for them at the time to get onto the field because there's one or two starters already ahead of them or the position group's been taken by a starter or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're looking at Corey Lindsley and you see the drop off that the Chargers had last year on offense when he wasn't in the lineup, you can't afford to just have that drop off again. Now, maybe they go sign someone, and that's probably the most sensible thing is to go sign someone because, you know, all in an all-in season, maybe you don't have to invest in a guy that early. But Telesco's really shown that he's willing to invest in a third round pick and kind of have that player wait. For a year, maybe two years. Now, Keenan Allen was by like week four he had to play. But (laughs) some guys like Max Turk, he they drafted Max Turk out of USC for an entire redshirt freshman year like to do nothing but sit the entire rookie season. And so I think that, and again, Toleskis always got these surprises we're not ready for. I think that's something that they could address in the same vein, although much earlier or much later than the Eagles did. The Eagles did last year with, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name, Cam Jergens. um okay. last year. Did the Eagles need a center? No. Did they even need a guard? Not really, no. But they they drafted him in the second round because of the upside and just getting ready. And that's how you kind of develop offensive line as well. Um, I think that the third round is a sneaky spot for center for the Chargers this year.
1: Honestly, I could see it. I hadn't necessarily thought about it in that regard. I think my thought process has been able to get more of like a, a swing – guy early and then maybe you take a center prospect later but mm-hmm. honestly I, I that would not shock me so in terms of um you know third round center prospects you know, like you mentioned you know Joe Tippman John Michael Schmitz those guys I think are definitely gone at that point um mm-hmm. you know they're both getting late first early second round conversation around them um same thing with Steve Avila who can play center some people think he's a center only prospect um mm-hmm. which I, I disagree with but um so anybody behind Michael Schmitz for me those are all guards again I think Brandon Daniels could play center in a pinch I think John Gaines could play center in a pinch. I don't think they're truly like center prospects so mm-hmm. um you know Man mentioned him to me I think Ricky Stromberg from Mich- from uh, Arkansas excuse me would kind of be my next one up I think Olu Atimi from Michigan he's not a super clean fit for the chargers i think he's again kind of a bit more gap power reliant than somebody who, who maybe can bring a little bit more versatility because the chargers under kellen moore are going to be versatile in the run game man they're going to do a lot of zone they're going to do a lot of gap and power they're going to do a lot of counter like you're going to have to have a center who can move and a center who can get out in space and 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 really get to that second level somebody like Corey Lindsay. <laughs> so I think Ricky Stromberg for me is probably the direction that I would lean in terms of that regard. If like, if you're talking about round, round three, round four, backup center, he's my choice. If you're talking about like round six, round seven, I think juice Scruggs from Penn state is a good option there as well. But mm-hmm. you know, if they took him at round three, I would, I would be pretty, <laughs> pretty floored by that one. So maybe, maybe he ultimately he's get the pick again, not necessarily dark horse players. when I mean, we we're talking about Arkansas and Penn state, but, Mm-hmm. Um Ricky Stromberg at round three fits kind of like, oh, we're gonna get this guy maybe around earlier than he's gonna go, like JT Woods did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know, him learning for from Corey Lindsay for a year, two years, whatever happens, Corey Lindsay will see. I, I would be about that. It just third round, I think, would be a little rich for me. Yeah,
2: any mock draft we do, again, barring some ridiculous fall, which is unrealistic, I would not take a player in the third round, but I just feel like that's when we start to have that conversation depending on who's there knowing Tom for in the third round who's the guy that we could that was supposed to go in round four or five that we're going to take in the third round I, I also will not start
1: right away i think it could be center yeah as ever points out i'm not a fan of ba- drafting backups in the I, third agree. Round. I agree i <laughs> agree we're what on the say. same page <laughs> <laughs> you know drafting a backup safety in the third round wasn't a huge fan of that pick you know it is what it is but um you know they do need depth right like whoever you draft in the third round is probably not going to be a starter mm-hmm. i think we we're on the same page that if you draft like a pass rusher if you pass someone early or a receiver or a tight end mm-hmm. you're at least getting like an impact player even like a safety for example i think you know you're getting an impact player who might not necessarily be a starter but yeah then them taking center of the future in the third round i think would be would be a little rich for me but you know I and I, I will never complain necessarily about adding you know quality offensive line depth. Yeah, you'll complain on on the third round when they do that. <laughs> <laughs> they take Ricky Stromberg over Marvin Mims. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, you just worked that new one into
1: existence, man. Oh boy. Oh, no, but uh, Ricky Stromberg is a good prospect. Just you know, third round would be a little rich for me. Yeah, it is what it is. I
2: agree with crispy though that they would. I would rather draft a backup tackle. If I'm drafting
1: one to be a backup, it's a backup tackle. Hundred percent. I think to me, if you draft, like if you're drafting somebody from this list, you know, I think John Gaines in third may be a little bit too rich, but you know, Andrew Voorhees cannot play this year, so you know, we'll see what happens with him. But um, I, I certainly understand why somebody wouldn't necessarily grade him or put him in the top ten because he's not going to play as a rookie.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but you know, if you can get Chandler Zavala or Braden Daniels in the third round, and that's mm-hmm. your swing into your offensive lineman, I mean, those guys are going to play. They'll make a, they'll make a couple starts probably at this point. Um, you know, just given injuries at the position, how how it is around the league. So, um, I would I would much rather get a, a, a guy who can really be a, a quality swing player for them than a mm-hmm. true center prospect.
2: Last question: What was what, what is Voorhees, um current like draft slot projection
1: yeah man it sucks he was he was pretty like consistently second round kind of player maybe early third um but now i think for the most part people are talking about him as as like a late day three dart throw and and if you're the chargers like i i wouldn't hate it you would have to draft another offensive lineman before that (laughs) yeah who could play again because he's not going to play at all as a rookie but you know if you have the flexibility and depth to be able to kind of redshirt a guy, you know you're talking about if he comes back healthy from his ACL injury, you're getting a, a potential top 60 player at the position. Mm-hmm. So I would still take a chance on him, probably more so than than other people are. I think I, you probably have to get into the right situation. The Chargers don't really have any depth right now, <laughs> um, so I, I would not take him as my first offensive line pick. But mm-hmm. you know if they take zavala or daniels in like the third fourth round and then you know vorhees is sitting there in the sixth round i don't see why not yeah i'm all for it and again there's precedent there is uh all right tyler any other thoughts here about the interior offensive line group uh nope <laughs> man i didn't realize we had been talking for 46 minutes <laughs> i guess this really is my super role <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't add
2: much to this. Honestly, I had to kind of fly through the grades for these guys. But I mean, hey, that's it's an important conversation to have. And with Corey Lindsley's knee issues and all that, like, got to talk about it. Got to put it out there into the void.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Absolutely. all right so we'll uh we'll stem, we'll take questions here for about 15 20 minutes and then uh, we'll we'll call it good for today so appreciate everybody for sticking around for our interior offensive line topic if you guys have questions in, in general about the draft uh now is the time to ask them so uh fire away
2: i'm putting together my big board i'm at 75 players finally nice um, I know. Good gracious! I still have a ways to go, but I, I don't know how I ended up at seventy-five. But those linebackers got it on there, and you
1: know, <laughs> filled it up. Well, you'll uh, you'll have a lot more time after this week after you finish the uh, the NTPA, Ooh, So yeah, I'll get to yeah. one hundred and seventy-five next week.
2: <laughs> can watch a hundred players in a week. Easy, no problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, YouTube exists. <laughs> it, it does. I can get this in running backs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rodrigo Negrete earlier asked who's the best offensive line in this year's draft. I think for me, that's Paris Johnson, the tackle from Ohio state, um, just freakish bill. He's got like 36 inch arms, man. And like his athleticism is off the charts. So I I think there are some question marks there in terms of like his just like experience at the position. I don't think he's super refined. Um, he actually played guard for, I think the first two years that he played at Ohio state. And then last year was his first year at left tackle. So he's a bit of a, a bit more of a project. But in terms of like upside and, and you know, his ability to play right now, like Paris Johnson is a fantastic tackle. I have not watched any tackles, but I can't wait to get into it. After this week, <laughs> the tackles are fun, too. I don't think there's as good depth of tackle as interior offensive line, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a fun top of the group for sure. Nice. Um, Rodrigo asked, also asking about Jonathan Mingo. He's somebody that you have watched recently. So what did you see from Mingo uh, last week, I think it was? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I just was trying to find some more
2: stuff on him to know who this player was. I haven't slapped a grade on him yet. Um, fast player, big player. Um, was asked to do like three things at Ole Miss. Run a curl, catch a screen, go <laughs> forward. And yeah. I don't think that's necessarily on him like in his inability to run certain routes um occasionally he'd break for an out occasionally he'd run something a little bit different than those three things and you could see that there's something there um but the old miss just didn't ask him to run a lot so it's kind of sight unseen but i think he's yeah. a guy that's going in like the fifth sixth round projection that i think can kind of outperform that so a lot to like there for sure i just don't have a grade on him yet
1: yeah i mean that size definitely stands out in this class mm-hmm. but that old miss offense that uh is very vanilla <laughs> like yeah. people have called the Tennessee offense a Mickey Mouse offense a little bit and I think Ole Miss <laughs> is even worse in that regard uh I I could say so I I would I would agree with that yeah uh the true blue he says if we missed out on Marvin Mims in round two what would you think if they went A.T. Perry in round three um yeah from a height, weight speed R.E.S. standpoint he definitely fits what the Chargers have traditionally liked Um, you know, he's somebody who, I think he checked in at six, three. So, uh, at the combine or six, three and a half. Um, I think he is fast ish. I don't think he's got that kind of deep speed that the chargers need at this point. I think he's much closer to Mike Williams stylistically than somebody like Quentin Johnston is. There's not a ton of, Mm. uh, juice after the catch from AT Perry, but I think in a vacuum, I think he's a really quality receiver prospect and i think he's worth a watch but i think for the chargers it's a very awkward fit with him and mike williams on the same team potentially Uh, okay i haven't watched him yet so i I think he's worth a watch but i i I don't think he's like a clean fit for the chargers because like yes they have to find like a future x receiver potentially but they have one now and so like drafting at perry like i don't see what kind of role he has you know in in, on this specific team so um i think he's a quality player but i you know they're they need as like a true starting z who can really take the top off of the field give you some yards after the catch um they don't have that right now and i think like future x like that could just be josh palmer
2: yeah how does he compare to josh palmer at perry yeah
1: um I think Palmer gives you a little bit more after the catch. I think he gives you a little bit more true like vertical speed. Um, AT Perry, what I say, what I will say in terms of his strengths, his catch radius is ridiculous. Um, mm. he will catch anything that you throw at him. Um, just his ball tracking ability in that regard also is 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 truly top-notch. Um, he's he's a pretty precise route runner. I don't think he's like an elite route runner, but mm. he can do more things than just like run go balls and like run deep posts and stuff like that that wake forest was really asking him to do Mm. um so again i I like him i just i think for the chargers it's a tad redundant with you know mike williams and josh palmer on this team gotcha uh lots of receiver questions uh andre (laughs) yosivas i have not watched any princeton tape i don't know many people who truly have but uh he's fast so sign me up
2: Yeah, I think I the one thing I saw that I think is RAS comp was Tyrell Williams. And that's as far as I got for comparisons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that he like he's somebody in like scenarios where I like go defense or a tight end, like the first two picks. I I think doubling down a receiver makes a lot of sense. And he's somebody that I like will try and see as like the second receiver if I can snag him in a mock draft. So again, have not watched him, but he's fast, he's tall, makes sense. Maybe that's the third round dart throw that we don't really see coming. Sure. uh, (laughs) Chargers fans don't care if he's fast. It it doesn't matter. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, Robert Beal from Georgia. I have not watched him. Have you? Nope. I don't even know who that is. No offense. Me neither. Sorry, solo man. Oh, we got a Raiders fan in here. Why?
2: (laughs) Gotta catch up on the interior offensive line. Uh <laughs> <that'll laughs> breakdown, I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, Chris B asking about Dalton Kincaid. He says I think he can be a top five tight end potentially. Um, so Dalton's my tight end one. Uh, you know, that we did that show pretty early. Um, I guess Beal is an edge rusher from Georgia who ran like a four or five. So I, I refuse to watch it. any more Georgia tape. I'm out. <laughs> I've watched too much Georgia over too and many over. Georgia, too much Alabama. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, in terms of Dalton Giga, like I he's my tight end one. I think people need to cool it on the Travis Kelsey talk, first of all. I'm gonna throw that <laughs> out there. I, I love my guy, but yeah. uh, Travis Kelsey is like one of the best tight ends ever. So let's not do that. Um but overall, I think he's he really fits the mold of what the modern NFL is looking for from a tight end in terms of like Potentially flexing out to the slot, flexing out wide, creating mismatches on offense. Like that's what Dalton Kincaid did for Utah. And I think it's a seamless transition for the Chargers, for any team who really drafts him. Um, you're not getting like an elite blocker by any means. I think he can hold his own. I think he can do certain things well. He's also played the position for like three years. So yeah, he's an older prospect but he was a walk-on at the University of San Diego because he played basketball in high school mostly, um, and he was a receiver at San Diego, and then he transitioned to tight end at Utah. So, um, yes, he's older. Yes, he has the broken back, which I've said before, is, is should not be an issue. He's going to be ready to play for mini camp, ready to rock for this season. So um, Dalton, Dalton Kincaid offers a ton of upside, in my opinion, because he's so new to the position. But if you are taking him thinking you're going to get, like, this in-line old-school tight end, like, you're going to be disappointed if you're going to take him and use him as a big slot receiver. I think you'll be very excited about him and the mismatches that he can create for your offense.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm kind of thankful that the Chargers, if they go that direction, have Kellen Moore as a coordinator, not Joe Lombardi. I just feel like yes. you'd almost have to go Michael Mayer or, or Darnell Washington or something if it was Joe Lombardi. With Dalton Kincaid, Kellen Moore, I think it's a much better fit there um Benjamin Solak did like his top 40 or whatever and had like a comp for each Uh player (laughs) yeah yeah I saw that with Dalton yeah not Travis Kelsey was his comp um I don't know what his comp actually is but that was pretty funny
1: yeah I think stylistically Danny Ryan has compared him to Zach Ertz I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of his you know his ability to come in as a big slot receiver who can kind of function as a blocker um you know if you draft Dalton Kincaid, you're going to have to make sure that you have a consistent blocking tight end to pair with him, right? Like it's, you're like you're just not going to get that kind of value out of him, in my opinion. But um, mm-hmm. in terms of his comparison to Zach Ertz, I think he's a little bit more, I think he's a little bit more juice, particularly after the catch, than Zach Ertz really ever did. Um, but you know, if you picture Zach Ertz with a little bit more juice, I think that is that is pretty close to what you're looking at with uh, Dalton Kincaid.
2: Nice. And I didn't realize Zach Ertz has been in the league since like twenty. 20- at least 2013.
1: Yeah. yeah, he's been around for a long time. Um, but again, I'm curious to see how his lack of testing would impact his his uh value for the Chargers and where how they would have him because that over the last six, seven years has really been something that they value a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler, have you graded any corners yet? No. Okay. So I've only done the top four corners and Brian branch right now, all five of those players have first round grades for me. This corner class is Fantastic. I've seen a little bit of other players um, like Julius Brents from Kansas state, I think would be really fun with the chargers. His, you know, he's a six, three longer, more physical corner. Um, So he would be fun. I, I think if the chargers are going to add a corner, I, I want more size and physicality. I think they need that to balance out what they have with, asante samuel jr and uh as well as jc jackson if he's healthy too so i think like you're looking for a michael davis replacement essentially and so julius brintz i think makes a lot of sense there um have not watched him a ton but garrett williams from syracuse is somebody who has a good amount of buzz as well from what i've seen so um haven't graded haven't finished the corner class but um those are two guys that i think would make some sense from a size physicality standpoint
2: Kind of staying on that theme, one of the things we didn't talk about last time from the press conferences was, Telesco said he's operating under the assumption that the Chargers will have cornerback JC Jackson for this season. What did you kind of make of that? Or people in the chat, what did you make of
1: that? Mm. I took that as like mid-season, maybe. Uh huh. I like. I would be very surprised if they had him to start the season. Like if he were Mm -hmm. fully ready week one, um, you know, maybe he's, he's just like recovering at a, at a crazy pace right now. But um, I think he's, that's more like mid season. And even then, like there's no guarantee that he hits his full stride after that. So, right. I, I think they will draft a corner at some point. Jorge Rodriguez saying it's in the first, if it's Brian branch, I think that counts. Other than that, I don't think that they would really take, you know, Deontay Banks in the first round or Joey Porter Jr. I just think that, like, they're going to have JC at some point. I don't think they necessarily need, like, a true starter. Yeah, I, I think they have to try to make that work. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think they have to try to make that work. Yeah, so I, I'm expecting, like, outside corner, like, true outside corner. I think they will try and, you know, take another shot on a potential Michael Davis replacement. You know, like they did with uh, Dean Leonard, but I think that's going to come on day on day three. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, like Corey said, he would temper expectation with Jay chase sizzle. I like the nickname, uh, and I agree <laughs> with the overall point. I, I'm not I'm not expecting JC to to do a ton this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got most of the questions there. all right so it looks like the chat's dying down a little bit here so if you guys haven't asked a question go for it um again we'll take questions for like two three more minutes so um fire away at this point if you want a food question go for it i'm scrolling up making sure i didn't miss any That
2: no, was light in the chat today Everyone's, like, busy with life or something and dinner. (laughs) You know, important stuff. Is what it is. All right, well, we can do this one from Jorge Rodriguez. Uh, Wow. What's more likely? They go
1: offense or defense in the first? I think it's more likely that they go offense.
2: Ooh i'm gonna go defense i'm gonna go defense edge slot corner safety sneaky dt maybe linebacker no i hope Um, god no (laughs) i like jack campbell but man jack campbell a receiver and then a backup center here we go that's our first
1: two picks (laughs) <laughs> um, I just think like the edge rushers who are worthy of the 21st pick will be gone. Mm-hmm. I think Nolan Smith, Miles Murphy, Lucas Van Ness all off the board at that point. So maybe they trade down and they take Will McDonald or uh uh Felix under TK Uzama. I'd be cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um if they stick and pick, I think it's gonna be offense. I think it's gonna be one of the receivers or one of the tight ends. Ooh. Oh. Oh, now we're getting a lot of questions. Okay. <laughs> uh, go for it. Okay. So Jason Greer, appreciate the Supers chat. Uh, How's life treating us? It's fantastic. Cannot complain at all. Um, professionally doing a lot of great things. I know Tyler is as well finishing his up his, his uh, Ed TPA. So life's doing great, man. Tyler's getting married. You know, Tyler can't complain at all about life. I can complain about this Ed TPA. I'll complain about <laughs> that. We have another hour to go, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. But- it's 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 a thing that i have to do but it's gonna be done yeah uh i so brooke got her master's before i did and so she had to do her at tpa uh and it was brutal man it's so much work to become a teacher if you do a master's credential master's and credential at the same time so you know my counseling master's degree was was pretty crazy at the end too so you know those that the end the final push of finishing your master's degree is crazy yeah, senioritis, but 10 years later, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, did people not know that? I feel like that was pretty because where he said Tyler's getting married, people knew about that, right? Like, we've talked about that on the show, sure. Probably, I think I think I've said fiance
2: enough times, but um, but yes, I am getting married in, in July. Steven's going to be there. Calvin Oi is not going to be there. Um, <laughs> that's okay. He'll be there with his doppelganger, I guess you could say. Exactly, he's sending his clone in his in his stead. <laughs> so,
1: just really quickly about Calvin Noy, man, uh, <laughs> he went on to the Pat McAfee show this weekend to explain what soaking is. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into that. <laughs> yeah please why not whatever i <laughs> i was dying though man it was one of the funniest things i've ever seen on the internet and uh oh man you guys gotta go watch the video if you haven't yet but it's fantastic wow i, I did not
2: realize just this- i'm assuming that he just like threw a last minute question at him
1: yeah i have no idea how that originated i don't know the context of how it got brought up but like he didn't walk up there with the like the film room thing and like the pointer and like okay. no <laughs> No, Kyle was like mid workout. Like they just like they were they were talking about it. I think somehow it got brought up on the show, and then they just like, "Hey, we know a BYU guy. Let's call Kyle and like see what he has to say <laughs> about it." Hey, did he take it seriously? He was like really explaining to them. To like, I think he was like he knew that it was funny, but yeah, uh, they were like, "Kyle, did you do that?" And he's like, "No, I followed all the rules, hundred percent of the time." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Oh man! Good stuff. It was really, really funny. Mm. Fascinating. Uh-huh.
2: All right, I think that's a good place to stop it, right? <laughs> yes, gotta stop it. Soaking can't go past that. <laughs> okay. We're so stupid. Why there's a hundred of you here? Three thousand people watched our linebacker episode. Like, you guys are dumb. But, we but love thank you. you.
1: <laughs> but thank you. But we love you. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it today. We're going to have a <laughs> a great episode planned for you guys on Thursday, because uh, we're, we're not going to be able to record again until Thursday. But um, Alex Katzen and Gavino Borquez are going to be joining us on Thursday for a Guilty as Charged and Chargers Wire crossover event. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and cannot wait to dive into the draft with those two, um, you know, who do great work. I mean, When I did our video about trading up, Alex Katzen knew right off the bat who like some sleeper tight end from Air Force was and like everything about him. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're going to be a little bit out of our depth there in terms of uh, late round sleepers, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. If you're confused about the the previous topic, go watch the Pat McAfee show about it. He will explain it. I do not want to explain it right now. So let Pat McAfee and Calvin explain it. So um. Tyler, that's going to do it for us, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you guys on Thursday.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance.